that's so interesting. Ooh, that's interesting. Well, that is very interesting. Please tell me more. Very interesting. Marty, that was very interesting. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to That's So Interesting, the podcast that discusses what we think are objectively interesting things. I'm Graham, and alongside me are Brandon and Brian, as always. And with us today, we have a special guest, Adam Birch, who we've gone to school with at Waterloo. Adam has taken a dive into the world of entrepreneurship and with his new company, Flamingo. Uh, So we'll be focusing on Adam's experiences with business and entrepreneurship and how he's really always had a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit. Fellas? How you doing today? Good, man. How are you guys? Oh, always doing Everything well. is going good today. My fantasy team absolutely made a comeback in football today, so we crushed it. Oh, yeah. The Thursday game kind of gave me a big leg up, so like it's kind of RIP for my opponent already. So Nice. That's always nice <laughs> when you don't have to check throughout the yeah. weekend. But uh, That's awesome. So speaking of football, Adam, we know you're a big Eagles oh, yeah. fan. Um Obviously, it's been a great spring and summer for you, just relishing in the Super Bowl victory. <laughs> um, but but uh, what are what are you thinking for their chances this season? I think it's I think they still got a pretty good chance. Um, we we're like kind of banged up with some injuries, but if we can get past that, I still think we'll make the playoffs for sure. I don't think we have much competition in our division specifically. Um, Teams that I might be worried about is the Rams. I think they're always, they've always put a good team together, but I mean, I think we could we could do it again this year. I think it is possible. Is there uh, is there plans to make a trip oh, down? To Philly man, again? that Philly trip was like it was. I mean, I wasn't gonna go actually. Like I like I wasn't gonna. Go- yeah, walk me walk me through so, what happened because that's yeah. Something I don't you've think never I really before, shared right? that story with a lot of people, but what had happened was my cousin was. Like, as a preface, this like our whole family's like Eagles Nation. Like everyone, I don't think there's a single. Per- Sorry about that in advance, Mike. Oh come on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah, we've always wanted to go to a game, and my cousin Matt, he's kind of been doing this like, spontaneous trip thing, and he was actually away for seven months, like overseas. Uh, but like he basically like messaged like, yo, like. Let's do an Eagles game. And I was just like, ah, uh, I don't know. And it was kind of in between the time where I left Bomber. And I was kind of like in the middle of things and not really knowing what was going on, like just money wise and like just in general. So I didn't ha- – it was mm-hmm. like money was tight. And then yeah. – so like for two – we were talking about it for two weeks. And like one day I was like, yeah, let's do it. Next day I was like, no, I can't. And then it basically came down to it. He's just like, you know what? You're coming. And like he just made it as easy as possible for me to go. He paid for like most of the stuff. We drove down. It was amazing. Um, have you guys been to an NFL game before? Like it's unreal. Yeah, like the atmosphere. Sweet. Like even Never. just walking up to the stadium and tailgate. Like as soon as we parked our car, there's a people drinking beers. We got out, and they're just like, "Oh, are you guys from Canada?" We're like, "Yeah." It's like, "You guys want Molson Canadian?" We're like, "Sure." So like, literally <laughs> on the way to the to the game, we just were drinking a beer like from the parking lot, walking up to the stadium. And then once you get in the surrounding areas, like people are like selling t-shirts, like hot dogs, the whole thing. It was a really like good experience. But uh I would love to do it again. I feel like this year there's a lot going on um with the new job and like Flamingo Apparel, the business. So 
it might be tough to fit it in. I know my other friend who's an Eagles friend, one of my good friends wants to go as well, but you know, I think it depends on like if work is like slow and I can take the time and like the money's okay. It's like depends on mm-hmm. a lot of things. I hundred percent would yeah. want to go in a heartbeat. But like I mean it's just it was such a great experience. Like we were super far up and like yeah. it didn't even matter. Like it was great. That's awesome. Yeah, you can't make the pilgrimage back to the homeland <laughs> yeah. every year, right? So, so I think I think if not this season, definitely next season. Uh, maybe it'll be like an every second year kind of thing, you know? Yeah, because it's really not that far to get down there. Like, yeah, you make it down I think it took day, us easy. like eight hours. I think, it, and like, which yeah. was, it was kind of a rough drive. I never thought people could fall asleep at the wheel. I probably shouldn't say this at a lot of this podcast, but like until that, <laughs> we left like at two 30 in the morning so we could get there at 11. And so I just right. finished working at chainsaw and then we just left right away. Oh my God. And I didn't get to really sleep that much. So that was, that was interesting. So, um, moral of the story, sleep and don't do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, it was a fun trip. It was, sounds like a good idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah man but it's a great story that's awesome that's um, awesome and being from ottawa obviously we we just gotta bring up the the <laughs> sends and their unique situation right now do you, do you have any hope for them like this is my position with this i'll always be a sense fan till i die i will always be a sense fan but, like, I'm losing interest in hockey because we suck. Like, there's nothing to look forward to. <laughs> I think we honestly wasted Eric Carlson's best years. I don't know why we, <laughs> like, we waited too long to get pe- to build people <laughs> around him, you know? And I just, I, it didn't seem yeah. like we were trying to win. We just kind of had him, and then we are just kind of dilly-dallying, you know, around the around the place. So, like, you know, I... I Eric Carlson, like he, sh- they should just give him the money to stay. But I don't see why that's a problem. Like he's like a top five defenseman. Like I don't see what the issue is there. So I think at this point, I feel like maybe a new owner would might shake things up a bit. But I don't have much hope for them going forward. Like I'm just hoping for first round picks that are high going forward and see. Just <laughs> at this point, we got to commit to the rebuild. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at least, at least you have that perspective. Yeah, so so you're not hoping like any. No, and if they happen to make the playoffs, like I'll watch and I'll be like, oh, how did we do this? But I mean, I'm not too hopeful. Definitely got more more stake in the Eagles than the Suns this year for sure. We definitely just have to clip right now the uh, part where the Suns GM when asked what he's hopeful about this season or what he's excited for, <laughs> he awkwardly stares at the camera for five seconds and says. We're a team. Yeah. Well, I mean, just like all the other teams, they're supposed to be yeah. a team too. So that's it. So they've got something going Basic for them. Basic requirement. I'm happy. Yeah. We'll see if we Do can it. find that soundbite and throw it in. Oh man. Uh, spoken like a true fan. <laughs> Ride or die. Like a true fan. <laughs> Ride or die. On a slightly, well, on a very different topic, we've asked every guest that's come on. Um, oh. Okay. More of a food question. What's your go-to three-topping pizza? Ooh, only three toppings? Okay. Um. <clears throat> now, hold on. Let me 
let me preface this. So this is something you would order. I know you're you're quite the chef, so I'm not talking about something you would make, but something from a restaurant that you would order. What like, would you go with? Okay. I'm going to go with pepperoni, mushrooms, and green peppers. It is a classic. Classic. Yeah, if, if I could add a topping, I'd probably go extra cheese. Really? You're a one meat kind of guy. Just because I, I, I feel like in the past I would have gone multiple. I think I, I'd go more meats if it was like like a bacon, pineapple, like sausages kind of thing. Nice. I think if I can give two answers, I think those would be the two. Because pineapple is great. I don't know. Some people don't like it, but like I love it. All right. Let's make it for the you're record, on, folks. You're on Adam the Birch, pineapple. pro pineapple. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. On pizzas. Like, am I, like, do you guys find that, like, feel like pineapple is an acceptable topping? Or, like, I know some people are totally against it, but. Abso-freaking-lutely. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm indifferent. I I wouldn't go for it, but I'll eat it if it's there. I mean, pizza's pizza. To like, the end. I feel, feel like pizza is one of those things, like, I don't, I don't really have anything I won't eat unless it's something weird like anchovies. Like, ugh. That just it just sounds <laughs> wrong. Like, have you guys had an anchovy yeah, it pizza like before? It should be or? native to a pizza. Oh my! No, never. But at the same time, you're right. I probably wouldn't. You know, it's in front of me. I'm yeah. not having it. Gonna stick to what I know. I think I think that's what it comes down to. <laughs> Who did that to start? You know what? You know what we should do? Put whole little fish, whole animals, on top of a pizza, and just eat it like that. Yeah, I, I wonder who started that. Sashimi pizza. <laughs> <laughs> well that's already is that or is that not sushi pizza is that not a thing well but hold on you're not taking yeah but you're not you're not talking about taking a whole tuna or a whole salmon <laughs> just slapping it, it on the a whole 50 pound of <laughs> yeah salmon. and then getting your little pizza cutter and cutting it six <laughs> ways and eating like you know we're not talking about getting a little perch or like Herring or anything. It's a big old bluefin tuna with cheese crust and tomato sauce. <laughs> yum. <laughs> oh, nom, man. Nom, that nom, sounds nom, so nom. unappealing. Like, ugh. Exactly. We reverse <laughs> engineer yeah, so terrible. I'm with you on the anchovies. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. No, yeah, just, just something we want to – we always try and ask cool. every guest. Just to get their opinion. See what's going on in their mind. Um, so I want to ask you a little bit about your – education background and we'll kind of build towards getting into Flamingo Um, but talk to me a little bit about your time at at Waterloo how it went because I know you took a little bit of an indirect path and I want people to understand that you actually benefited from that rather than doing the traditional yeah um, like school for me was fairly hard actually Um, I don't know necessarily know why but uh I started, I actually got into Waterloo Engineering. That's how I started way back in 2008. You know, I'm an oldie here. Uh... <laughs> oldie but a goodie. What does he call, uh, what do you guys call Ben Balfour? Was it uh, Dad? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, basically like <laughs> uncle, I guess. Um, but yeah, so 2008, I started in engineering, uh, system design engineering, super hard uh like we we had to take seven courses which we were the only discipline that i knew of that took that many in the in the first term and like it was just 
I think it was partly like time management, um, being away from home. Like I had a girlfriend that went to Bishop's University, which is like miles away. Like all that was like kind of shitty. So like I think that's what made me struggle at least through engineering. So after I did a term, um, my marks weren't good enough, so I had to repeat, which is fine. So I went on a really actually really sick co-op term in Ottawa, working for. Uh, a military contractor and I actually helped develop like a what is it the maritime helicopter project for the Canadian army that was really cool um oh jeez and like I guess what I did there was like human factors engineering uh so basically how the buttons on in the plane or, or helicopter would look like so where or like where is it better to put this button here so they could see it like where do you put the important button so it's out of the way so you don't press it by accident so like those were the kind of things like we would look into like in my team that i worked with so that was really cool like engineering like if i got the job right away i love it but i hated the work so anyways continue with the story i repeated and like for some reason if you repeat a term in engineering you have to get better marks because that's supposed to be it's supposed to be easier somehow uh it's not waterloo so maybe you should fix that <laughs> take notes uw yeah i feel like there's gonna be a lot of subtle jabs at uw <laughs> maybe podcast maybe not salty at all guys uh, <laughs> but so yeah anyways what happened was i just ended up leaving so i was kind of i was kind of confused because for the longest time that's all i wanted to be was an engineer um but then i switched to economics did that for a while just because i need to do something um, and then I finally came across AHS, which I never really kind of thought about before. And I heard that there was a sports business program. And I remember walking into uh, Sarah Houston's office, as you, I'm sure you guys all know her very well. And she literally like, put my life back together. <laughs> That's what it felt like. <laughs> I was like, hey, <laughs> yep. don't really know what I want to do here. I'm kind of interested in this. And like, I didn't say a word after that. It was like, okay, well, you could do this, 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 A, B, C, D. If you take this, you come over here, you'll be fine. And I was just like, okay. So then like, I actually have to give kudos to Sarah Yusuke because she actually made me feel real comfortable um, transferring and actually, it was on the recommendation of uh, David Jury. Um, if you guys, yeah. if you guys yeah. remember him, yeah, mm-hmm. um, he's actually the one that he's like, you know, what, why don't you take a look at at this? It was, it was actually after we took Rec One Hundred, Brandon. Um, was he a TA or in that class? I can't remember. All I remember is that it was for me and and Graham. Graham was in that class as well, but that was our first. That was our introduction to university. Yeah. Massive lecture hall, 350 people. Yeah, it was a big plus. classroom. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah. how you and I met. Front row buddies. Was through that class. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, what's up? But, uh... Till I die. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, just saying, um... Oh, <laughs> ride in the front row till we die. That's, yeah, that's the way to go. Die. Is that the theme for today, ride or die? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but yeah, so... Depending on how far we get, I guess. Yeah. So that's what that's when I ended up in AHS, and that's what I finished with. Loved it. Completely different philosophy from economics and engineering. I felt like I was learning practical information. 
But like, it's not to say that I didn't value all the other programs. Like you said, Brandon, like it let me see a lot of different aspects of different fields, which I think helped me in my entrepreneurship journey, I guess. Uh, so, I mean, if I have to do it again, like, actually, no, I wouldn't do it the same way. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, so I finished with recreation sports business and loved it. And then after a year after that, I wanted to kind of get more into the business world. So I actually went to Laurier. Sorry, guys. Um, and I did a postgrad certificate in e-commerce and digital marketing. And nice. that kind of concludes my Very nice. oh, wow. education so far. Yeah. Wow. Was that a was that a one year? It was like a, like a cert- it was like a one term. It was only a certificate. So like it was, it was basically like so you have to apply. Like apparently there was like three hundred applicants. They only took twenty five people. So it was pretty wow. sick. Oh wow. Um. Good for you. And it's. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that you did that. I guess we haven't spoken in a while too. So. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. But uh, so th- that was really cool because it kind of sh- showed me about an emerging market of like, how do you sell things online? How do you get people to an online store? How do you optimize an e-commerce store? Um, so it was really interesting. And I think that it, it's been super beneficial. kind of opened my eyes up to that field of entrepreneurship. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, that's but so- you were always like – you were always thinking of new and interesting things to try and improve life, right? Like one of the, one of the main ways that you and I really got to know each other was through um, yours and Liam Stanfield's creation of yeah. the Order Tribe. And I know Brian and Graham both got on board, you know, later in the mm-hmm. process. Um, so we all kind of worked together on that, but like walk me through and we don't have to talk about the whole story, but um walk me through kind of where you guys had that idea and like what sparked your want to just kind of put it into motion. Um, it was actually a really, it's a really funny story because basically Liam, we both worked at Bomber. I think it was like the first term he started there and I had just finished work and he comes out. He's like, yo, you want to start like a drinking club? And I was just like, What? Do you know what school we go to? Like, that's never going to fly. Like, what do you mean? Like, let's start a drinking club. I love that. <laughs> and I was just like, like, exp- like, where did this idea come from? Like, explain this to me. So apparently at, uh, and I actually think it was Bishop's University. Uh, he had a buddy that went there and they did something similar. And how they spun it was like, you know, it's the coming together of up years and first years to kind of share knowledge about how to get through school and like, it was almost like a big brother, like little brother or whatever kind of thing situation. So that's how they spun it to the university yeah. and they became a club there. So yeah. we originally started talking about that, but then we started talking about, well, I mean, let's kind of turn it into more, more than that. And that's how Warrior Tribe came to be. And, you know, it's a very, very basic level, as you guys know, was just basically to pre-drink and go to varsity games and support the teams because they didn't get that support that we thought they deserved. So, um, I mean, very simply, that's, that's basically how it kind of started. Yeah. That's an awesome origin. And like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to your credit, it's still alive today, even long after you graduated is, yeah. from UW. 
It's an officially a club has its own service, space. Service, service, service. And within feds, our student. Oh, it's, sorry. It's an official yeah. service. Mm-hmm. Um, which is even it is, bigger. Yeah, own budget and everything. Yeah. So to say that you know you and Liam were a part of making that change and making that difference, and they do have a huge impact yeah. on campus, is yeah. pretty cool because it all came of of that one conversation of what you guys wanted to make a club. <laughs> yeah. I think. And that, literally, literally the day. <laughs> I think that part of the part of the warrior tribe has fallen off yeah. a little bit, but <laughs> literally the day we, me and Liam, were throwing in the towel, they told us it was going to be a service. So like the timing was impeccable. But still, the impact was still yeah. there. It's my, I guess, first little legacy. But anyways, that experience... I guess so. <laughs> yeah. But, but that experience led you to... Uh, led you to starting yeah, a new it company. <clears throat> um, Flamingo Apparel. It's been a up and down roller coaster road, to be honest. <laughs> <clears throat> Isn't that how it's supposed to be, though? Yeah, and, and that's what it is. And, like, you, if you had to enjoy the process or you don't do it at all kind of thing because it's not something that I feel like when people say they want to start a business and like I was, I'm guilty of it. I'm, and a lot of people are, especially when you're younger, you want it to happen now. And when you get that perspective, I'm like, Hey, like you might have to work at this for like five years before you get any traction. And like, that's okay. Yeah. If you truly love it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fun. So it's a lot of fun. Along your way so far, what has been the biggest challenge that you didn't anticipate with kind of growing and starting up your own business? I think the first hard lesson that I learned was like picking the right people to start it with or be a part part owner with. Because before before Flamingo Apparel uh, my cousin and I were involved with another company and, you know, I won't go into too much detail, but for whatever reason, our business ideas didn't align. So we had left the company and it was, I think it was predominantly because I feel like our personalities didn't mesh as well. Like me and Matt, like we think exactly alike, like every idea is like, yeah, 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 let's do that. You know what I mean? Like it's like mm-hmm. super simple. Whereas before, like we'd argue a lot. And it just be- wasn't fun, right? And I actually had to convince yeah. Matt to start Flamingo Apparel because he, after the experience with North Side of Map, he's completely turned off like the clothing industry. But uh, when I was working at Chainsaw, uh, one of the employees there heard about me being a clothing line. And I told him I couldn't do it at the time. And he really wanted to do it. So he's actually the one that kind of got me thinking about it again. Then I got Matt on board and we kind of started that together. And like now that we've been working for Mingo Apparel ever since. And for people listening, like that's sweet. I don't know much about starting <laughs> a clothing industry, but from working in kind of um, the sportswear slash sporting world, mm-hmm. clothing is one of the hardest markets to penetrate. It definitely um, is. It, out of anything, like it's not a quick solution or fix or product that you can like help make somebody's life better with or make it nice and flashy and your margins aren't great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that, that's a tough one. So it's really sweet. Like that you're, um, you're starting this, you're taking on the challenge and like, <clears throat> I think all in all, everybody here wishes you nothing but the best, but I want our listeners to know, like, it's not an easy feat to try to come up with some sort of 
clothing line or apparel line um, that represents a lifestyle, but also being successful at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. It really, and with that in mind, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say it really is a grind. Yes. And so, can you can you take us through some of those first steps, like like designing the brand and and what you were really looking for to establish with Flamingo? Yeah, for sure. So, the first the first thing that we had to decide was the name, of course. And I I was the one who came up with the name, and the reason why it's Flamingo Apparel is uh, the third partner that we had. Uh, he loves the color pink. Like I'm talking, like obsessed. Like maybe a little concerned. He would come into chainsaw like pink Converse, <laughs> like pink hat, pink shirt. Like nice. he said that <laughs> he wanted to get a pink tracksuit that said Flamingo Apparel on it. That's like <laughs> that's how much he loved pink. But for for me, wow. and Matt, it was a little more sentimental. Um, both of our moms had breast cancer, so that's mm-hmm. why we. Pink was one of the main colors. So it kind of worked like that. He loved pink. Pink meant something to me and Matt as well. So I wanted to think of something that would would represent that color. And I just kept coming back to Flamingo. But like I hate – I didn't want to be associated with a Flamingo because I was like, that's dumb. <laughs> From my perspective, so like, said, it was just take dumb. Out one letter. <laughs> right? So I literally, we literally dropped the L and like – it kind of that's how kind of our tagline came, you know. It's flam- it's flamingo, not flamingo, because we don't take any else. So that worked out, and then it was also nice because it was like almost like Nike or Adidas. Like our that's the only thing that was there when you searched that word, right? Because we we basically just made up a new word. So not only do we create a, a unique brand, but basically we have like all the SEO search engine optimization for you people that don't know that. (laughs) Um, So when people would search in Google, we'd basically be the top search for it because there wasn't really much going on there. And we Mm -hmm. had to make sure like the name wasn't taken, of course. So that was also part of it. Wow. So what steps from there have you taken to kind of secure Mm -hmm. your brand? So then the next, the next situation is like to like to Brian's point is it's really hard to, differentiate yourself from the others in the market because there's so many. So we, our brand is kind of set up in a way where there's kind of two sides to it. I think the biggest thing for us is that one is that we care a lot about students. Uh, we want to give opportunities for young people to get experience was a, another core thing for us. We want to give back to the community, primarily um, breast cancer. And then finally, we want to support artists and people who go into careers that are looked upon as like, hey, you can't really be successful in that area. And it kind of helped too, because even though Matt and I could do all the creative part, you know, if we could get some help on that, that'd be great. So it's split up in two. So we have our OG collection, which stands for original collection. Mm-hmm. And then we have our limited edition collections. So all of our limited edition collections, which will probably be the bulk of our business, is we partner with an outside designer. So for our first limited edition collection coming up later this fall, 
we partnered with a UW grad fine art student. And basically we collabed with her. She created a design for a white crew neck. And so that's all her design. It's like this really cool blue spiral. And then on the front, it just has our logo and like a blue color wave and like her signature. So it's pretty cool. So the whole idea is that is, you know, once we make it, so we're planning on selling about 100 pieces. But once we sell out, we won't sell it again. So it kind of preserves that value. And it becomes now the limited edition collection become like a collector's item. Uh, and then also then we profit share with the artists. So then we're supporting their career to kind of continue on that path of being an artist. So that's like one really cool aspect. So that would be like from painters, like graffiti artists. I mean, if you got cool messaging, if you're like a motivational speaker with like a cool tagline, like I think there's a lot of possibilities in that realm. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. And then so the OG collection is like our cheaper items um, that will restock more often. And that stuff is just so that it's easier for students to get because we know they don't have the most money in the world. So those will be the t-shirts, hoodies, and like casual wear, joggers, all the stuff you kind of wear to kind of go to class or even just hang out with friends. So that's what like that side is. And then the whole idea is we use that kind of side of the brand to do like donate scholarships to students. That's something we want to do. Um, in the fall, we'll be giving away $500 for a student in the winter term. So that'll be kind of cool for them. And then it's like for our bombs as well. So that's why we have pink. So we actually came to the cool idea where I hope they're not listening to this podcast because like we wanted to surprise them. But I think going forward, <laughs> what we wanted to do, or maybe I should tell them not to listen to this. Well, I don't know if they're on our seven uh, seven. Don't listener even tell audience, them that it's so happening. I think you're okay. <laughs> but I think what we want to do going forward is put their initials in every item we make for the OG collection, just like cool. as a constant reminder, like like we're doing this for them, you know. Not That's nearly awesome. as cool of a story, but uh, a company that did a very similar thing with kind of like their OG name or like what inspired them to do it is Steam Whistle. Okay. Um, on every one of their glass bottles. It has three FG and it stands for three fire guys. And it's because the three founders were standing around a fire and we're like, we should start a a brewery and like, this is what we should do. And we should make beer. What are we going to call it? And they would call it like to start as a joke, three fire guys. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously is a horrible name, uh, but they still have that on every single (laughs) uh, glass bottle that they make to remind them where they started from. Yeah. That's really cool. That's sweet. We had this, uh, we recorded an episode earlier, I guess it was earlier this month on corporate social responsibility. Um, So it's kind of, it's really interesting to hear all the different things that you guys have going on in the back burner, like just things that you guys don't need to do. Yeah, because it's, it comes down to this, like, and this is every business. It's like people buy why you're doing something, not like what it is. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Especially yep, with like yeah. our generation, like it's not, it's not enough to just have good clothing. And like I feel like that was part of the argument we had with the other brand. It's like they, it didn't seem like there was anything extra than just making like really good clothes. So I mean, they had the what, yeah. but it's just like, why am I buying this brand? Why am I gonna buy 
Flamingo apparel. And I think with these different pillars that we're hitting, I think it offers something unique for everyone. So, hey, I want to support artists. Okay, I'm doing it because I really jive with like helping students. All right. It's really cool that they're doing this for their moms because I, I really support breast cancer. Like I was affected by some sort of cancer, so I'm going to support it that way. So like we, the whole point is that we just wanted to resonate with people. We didn't want it to just be like anything. And like we're always like my mindset and Matt's mindset has always been wanting to give back to the community. So it kind of just gives us that opportunity to do that. So I think Absolutely. that's what makes us different. Yeah. And, and I can already speak to the fact, you know, just the idea of buying for a reason rather than just like the outcome, AKA the, the product. Um, like I didn't know that your brand was associated with, you know, like that breast cancer research side of things. Yeah. But having, my family just been personally affected by breast cancer as well. I'm like, yeah. shit, like, yeah, I'll buy a flamingo shirt. Like, you know, like already it's just like yeah. actually something that I'm even more something. genuinely interested in mm-hmm. beyond like just your entrepreneurial endeavors Yeah, um, just for that core reason. So yeah, I, I would like to totally echo that because I think that's super valuable. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, that's basically the brand and it's been fun. It's been a fun ride. But it's still a, it's still something you're working towards. So, like, what's the next step other than working with collaborators? Um, sorry, other artists. What's the next step for you guys as a business? Like, where do you where do you want to go next? What's the next big move? So, I think, like, our plans are. I think with every business, we gotta kind of get your framework. So, I think we just, our next step is, how do we pump out a creative collection in the most efficiently possible way because learning as we all know we, we make mistakes and this first collection <laughs> took a really long time to put together like we negotiated the deal with the artists in february and it's coming out in november so to scale that it's got to be a little quicker obviously so i think yeah, right, now it's, it's like now that we have the concept i think it's a we got to bring that story out of like why we're doing this for like our, our moms and like, and all the other things that we're doing kind of bring that out. So people know more about it. And that's like the forefront. And I think how you do that is through like video. And I think one of our priorities is try to get a, a YouTube to kind of show our day to day. And, and so people can kind of come on that journey with us as we're building the brand. So it's like, they're part of the family. So we, we like to use Flamingo Familia because like we think of it as like a family. You know, I want to put thank you mm-hmm. cards in our, when we ship it out, like, welcome to the family, right? So, it, like, you got to make people feel like it's a product pro. So, we want them to be, you know, follow our journey, like, come with us. Like, you know, our goal is to affect as many people as we can. And we really do. We want to we want to try to do that. And, and you know, you know, the, the our followers will hold us to that, too, as well. Mm-hmm. Plus, that's a that's a great that's awesome. front. Uh, if you want to become mm-hmm. a mob family, you know, welcome to the family, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so yeah, it would be that, and then just like streamlining processes to make it more efficient. So like, I feel it when we can like pump out a collection in a couple of months and always have one like talking to artists, creating it and like selling it. I feel like. If once we get that process of like, okay, we know exactly what to do. So like, there's no stops on the way to getting it out. Then I think that's, that's when we'll really start going. 
So those are the two things I think we're focused on next. Definitely. Yeah, but it's great. You've got that direction mm-hmm. already in mind, right? Like you kind of know where you want to go and that's mm-hmm. that's awesome. So We could probably take this out if the answer is no, but do you think that uh, any of your UW sport business courses had any influence on the decisions that you make today? Like, did you learn anything in those classes that you can say, yeah, like, or even your economic no classes that like really transferred to your ability to, to do what you do? Um, to some extent, I think, um, I'm trying to remember that class. I think you're just trying to be polite. <laughs> no, cause I'll say something cause I, I've actually had like a different view of education now, <clears throat> but I'd say program evaluation, that course, mm-hmm. the ability to kind oh, yeah. of, you know, we just did like our first official photo shoot so now i'm like thinking like okay how did that go how can i make you know i'm evaluating what we just did and i don't remember any everything from the course but like it's in my head somewhere right so actively thinking about you know where can we improve and like that's what that course was like how do you evaluate something that was successful where was the the shortfalls where like where do we do well to make it better i think that's i think that's something that i i carry with me from that program but like and for the most part i did a lot of my learning through youtube is surprisingly a very resourceful source of information <laughs> and and reading yep. books honestly and actually mm-hmm. just being in it like i learned more just being in it and making mistakes than i have all eight years that i was in school or whatever time it was just because like theory can only take you so far you know yeah, and I, you hit it right on the yeah, head for, for sure. me there is you can read as many books as you want or watch as many videos, but until you're actually in a situation and you're like, okay, how does my brain work to react to this right. situation that I'm currently in? Like, do I fight or flight? Like, do I get an argument here or do I let this one slide and use it as leverage for our next conversation or whatever that looks like mm-hmm. you really yeah. don't get to learn that until you're physically in the moment exactly no matter how good your education is yeah and like i'm not saying that like you shouldn't go to university and your education doesn't stop after university i think now that i'm done university i just get to choose what i want to learn mm-hmm. which makes it so much better because then i can just find things articles books that are super relevant to what i want to be and develop as a person so and that's i never used to read a lot like at all and i i said to my dad the other day and i hate doing this because it means he was right (laughs) but uh he always wanted me to read when i was younger and i was like dad you know i wish i wish i just read a lot more when i was younger because like i would have known a lot more things you know even just like from like a determination perspective or leadership perspective, like really I've learned a lot of books and like, that's something I've really trying to be incorporating in my personal life is just doing a lot of personal development. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. You know, even whatever you're doing, whether it's business or not, I feel like you always should be learning. You can't really stay stagnant. Yeah. Books really offer you that moment to self-reflect and like challenge yourself in your head of like, what would right. I do? Or, you know, a lot of the personal development or leadership off authors are posing you questions every page, if not every chapter of the, yeah. 
think about what your core values are and how you emulate them every day. And like really read it. Like, so like on my Kindle, yeah. like I'll get to a line, I'll highlight it. I'll just stop and just think about that phrase for like a few minutes. For sure. Or if it like really hit home, it's like, wow, like I'll reread it like three, four times. So I can really take it in. So yeah, reading is really important. Read kids, read guys. Shit. Shameless plug here for a book that I just read, Drew Dudley's This is Day One Leadership. Everybody should take us, uh, you know, a week to read that. It's awesome. It's all about uh, <clears throat> personal leadership and how we recognize leaders within our lives. It's really cool. I never heard That's that. That's fascinating. Yeah, on that, on that note, Adam, is there any books that like really jump out to you as as being powerful that you? I got to stop saying that. I've been working on that too. Not saying um as much. Yeah. I learned that they're called disfluencies. Okay. Can, can we go that, into that sidebar? Like explain that. There's actually that. a word for those little filler words. We'll come back to like my favorite book. Why but, they're called disfluencies? Yeah. Like, what, yeah. Like, like explain it for me. Well, so I was talking about podcasting with one of my really good friends um, who's actually starting his own business and I'd love to have him on eventually. But um we were kind of talking and I was saying one of the things that I really am trying to work on in this podcast is not using words, you know, like, um, you know, kind of filler words that prolong your mm -hmm. thinking process. And I was trying to say, like, I don't really know what those words are called. And he said, yeah, they're called disfluency. Oh, interesting. And they're words that we use to, to prolong and kind of extend out the time that we need to interesting. think. Do you know, um, do you know why yeah. we do that? Like I read something. I guess that's why it comes books. You learn things. Is that no. sometimes people are uncomfortable <laughs> no, with I don't. silence? Mm -hmm. So like I was reading like a public speaking book and they're saying like be okay with silence and not like saying anything. So if, if you need to just pause, like it's fine, you know, and, and just like understanding that people feel like they always – if it's like an awkward silence, it's just like too long. But like if you're just thinking or whatever in a conversation, a meeting, I feel it makes people uncomfortable. So I f that's why you get those filler words. Definitely right. My own like lack of uh, or lack of scientific evidence of any sort is also that people's vocabularies are too small in yeah. the present day. Is, that is they can't that is find true. the word that they're trying to use so that they use a filler in order like just to take an extra second yeah yeah and i think another aspect of that as well is well at least for me growing up you know not always being a comfortable public speaker or just conversationalist in general taking time to think of the correct phrasing or word felt like i didn't know what i was doing yeah. And so there and so therefore it became this sort of feedback loop of well if I if I take too much time to say words it it makes it sound uncomfortable or not natural in a way um or just not cool, you know, like just growing up and you know not being cool or something like that. So there's like that internal panic that I think it's carried into adulthood for a lot of people and it's a matter of trying to limit that and just develop that skill more. Mm -hmm. So it's it's kind of funny. Uh, my uh, cousin now, <clears throat> to kind of get me out of the habit, if we're in a business meeting or a business call, 
every time I say the word um, he'll like finger gun me. And it's super <laughs> annoying, so then I stop doing it. So every time I say um, he just like just finger guns me every single time. There's one time I said it a lot, and I was like, what are you doing? Like it was just annoying me so much that I just had to stop saying it. So like there's <laughs> things like that that I do to get him help me get better at those things. But uh, my favorite book, I think that was most impactful, nice little segue here, uh, is definitely Mark Manson's The Art of Not Giving a Fuck. You know, oh, the, that's a good one. Yeah. I never, there's so many simple ideas and concepts that just blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And just the way to think about different things in a different way, sorry, to put emphasis on things that really matter to you and not care about the little things. And I think a lot of people dwell on those smaller things when they really shouldn't. You know, I I, I think it comes down to like perspective. Like, is this really going to ruin your day? Is if, you know, if just because someone went through a door before you, are you really going to ruin your whole day because of it? (laughs) Like little things like, right. So that book, I think everyone needs to read because I'm like, honestly, I'd read it again right now. And I just finished it because I got so much value out of that book. It was really good. Really good. Brian, it, you, said yeah, you read that, right? It's phenomenal. Yeah. Like it's on a daily basis. I rem- like remind myself of certain sections of the book of like, relax, you'll be okay. <laughs> Don't yeah. get frustrated over this. You can't yeah. control yeah. it. It just kind of helps you be a little bit more calm and less critical of your day-to-day actions and your day-to-day experiences, which ultimately allow you to be like a more enjoyable person around the people that you actually want Mm -hmm. to engage with or have a critical conversation with or just have fun with. My favorite part of the book actually was like how he applied those principles to like dating. Yeah. Like that yeah. section alone was just like, wow, like, like even just like your interpersonal relationship, I was just like, that's crazy. Like I never thought about those things in that way. Yeah. You hit it on the head right there or he did. Yeah. That was really, yeah. Cool. Wow. Yeah. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Maybe Definitely. when you get through some of those, uh, master's readings, you guys should read for pleasure again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that is actually a real serious problem with reading is when you're in school or actually potentially doing your readings. I mean, I didn't in undergrad, but when you do your readings, then think about reading for pleasure. Mm-hmm. I never considered it until I was done school. And right. when, let me oh, pick yeah. up a book and relate it to what I'm doing now. Yeah, there are so many books that, and they're sitting right in front of me on my shelf. Um, that have to do with coaching, like stuff that I'm really, really interested in and will really impact my life. But you're right. The academic reading that we have to do for school that isn't intrinsically mm-hmm. motivated. And it's horrible. Like, it's boring. It's dry. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I like, but it's again, it's it's something that it's a hoop that you have mm-hmm. to jump through in order to succeed at school because it's, you know, it, it was designed for one sort of style mm-hmm. of learning. And that's the way that everybody yeah. has to learn. And I, I mean, I get so. why that scholarly writing evolved to how it is today, but something has to break because you don't like nobody learns from that. 
And if you learn from it, you're isolating yourselves from helping everybody else get educated because of your language and your rhetoric is so exclusive to people who need to have, <laughs> like read an article every day in order to understand it for like at least, I don't know, four months, five months to at least have any idea what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, it is true. You talk about knowledge translation, right? Where all of this knowledge is being created at such a high academic level that's so inaccessible for a variety of reasons to the general population who could use this knowledge. So then you have this knowledge power gap or barrier where so many people have so much knowledge that's not being translated down to the people who could be using it to affect and change their lives. And even... Which is sad. It's even not even knowledge. Like, it's almost like it's an exclusive access to this little party club of professors or academics who don't really want to let anybody else in. I don't know if anybody else has noticed this. This is such a sidebar from our whole podcast so far, so I apologize. <laughs> yeah, it is. But like, it's all good. In class, you would challenge what a professor is saying, and then they'd suddenly go like whip out this like, well, um, how, according to this theory and this theory and this theory, you're wrong. And you're like, we haven't read any of that. Like, why are you referring to things that I cannot relate to in any way, shape, or form? <laughs> how on earth am I supposed to remember? Stop sending their kids to the university soon. Oh well, look at. I think we have a labor shortage right now, is and it really? it's only going to get oh, to yeah, get worse do. in the trades. Like, uh, like just a general or like you trade specifically or I think in general, like anything hands on or like a trade aspect, going to get a car mechanic appointment, you're at least four days out right now with anybody who's half decent and paying a lot. Right. And you're paying a lot to try to get an electrician on the same day without paying a premium price. Like good luck. Yeah. I'm sending my kids Um, to the coal mine. No doubt. (laughs) <laughs> good thing Trump's keeping those open for you <laughs> that's funny yeah it's like it's really scary even seeing with some of the construction that's going on on UW's campus like with Bonfield right now that like yeah. they're struggling to get workers to come and finish the project let really? alone sk- let alone skilled workers to do their job on time wow do you think that's why like buildings take forever to go up? I like, remember that uh, is it one Columbia by McDonald's that took forever. You think it's just because they just didn't have enough workers? It could be. And I never understood that. Like yeah, you, probably a lot of things you plan up. to have this product done in time. Like someone's definitely scheduled a timeline, but then you're late and you kind of screw a bunch of students. Like I just never got why those big buildings are always never on. Like they're never on time. So my dad works in the condo industry, yeah. um, doing all of the glass installation. Okay. And he said, all of the owners of those buildings know from when they say that the building's going to be open, that it's not going to be open that time. And it's just them screwing over the people who are either renting or buying them because there's no, there's typically never any provisions in a contract or even buying that it has to be ready by a certain date or else. Um, especially from the buying side of things. Mm-hmm. So they'll promise random dates, won't give any information up until like the day before. And like, JK, it's not ready yet. Um, we're pushing it back three weeks when they still know it's about two months out and they'll just keep pushing it back. 
the contractors um, and like the architects, I guess, all know that they're not going to be ready on time. It's the company, the owners who aren't translating that information and giving that to their residents, which is even more of a piss off. Yeah. Wow. So what's the moral of that? Send your kids, send your kids to trade school so that we can get our buildings completed <laughs> on time. No, I think so. I think is considered college as an actual option because when I was in high school, people talked about college as like if you were stupid or like you were yeah. looked at as you couldn't. Hundred percent. I don't like the word stupid actually, but like if you weren't the best performing person in the class, you should go to college because mm-hmm. you have no chance to get an education. Yeah, that's Whereas, that's how it was like portrayed to me as well. And I think that's totally wrong because some of the smartest people I know went to college. Mm-hmm. I honestly think like, there you go again with the like, what do you call it again? What's the term for it? Disfluency. I'm finger gunning you behind my uh, <laughs> mic here. <laughs> finger gun. Uh, I, yeah, I was going to say, I feel like they shouldn't have got rid of grade 13. I agree. And I also, I also feel I also like agree. maybe they should make going to college for a year like mandatory. Does anybody know the Quebec model with CGIP? It's yeah, like, that's, yeah, it's like really two cool. years, right? Yeah, it's like a two years yeah, after grade university university. Like, I think that's smart. I don't know how exactly how it works and like how they roll it out. But not only... I also think part of the problem is, too, is that you're asked at a very young age to decide what you want to do for the rest of your life. Well, yeah, that's that's a problem. But I think here the biggest problem is that you're... Society's prescribing a solution for yeah. everybody, assuming that it'll yeah. work for everybody when really everybody's yeah. different, right? So some people should be going to university. Some people should be going to college. Some people should go into an institute of technology. Some people should be doing trade schools. Some people should not be doing school at all because they're better off. So then maybe you know, it's like doing you have to something else. I don't know. Make it so that, hey, every option is, is like very much acceptable and okay. Yes. Let's just find out where you fit the That's best the key. so yeah. you can be the just most successful. It honestly should be a test. Yeah. Of if, can you sit at a desk for longer than two hours straight without having to lose your mind? <laughs> Those three-hour classes, <laughs> brutal. It, it sounds so s- simple. It's not. But for real, like if you can't sit at a desk for three hours in a row, like you are not designed to work in an office. And I'm one of those people and I'm thankful that I work in a job where they allow me to move around every like 10, 15 yeah. minutes, inter- interact with businesses, do that. Do you have kind like of one stuff. of those raising desks? No, I don't. Yo, those are so good. I, I can't wait to get a standing desk. No, all this stuff would fall off. It's his desk is too cluttered. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Um, so we've, we've <laughs> highlighted a lot of different like entrepreneurial tips and Adam, you've shared a lot of like really cool experiences already are there any like final points or comments or pieces of advice that you would give just to anyone who is interested in entrepreneurship or had an idea but wasn't sure what to do with it like this is how i my parents had a hard time coming to terms like me starting this business because like i put myself in a very vulnerable position by not necessarily finding a full-time job like to get money I think there's a few things, and I'm going to pull some things out of my, my boy Gary V because I'm a big fan of him. Uh, if you guys know who Gary Vaynerchuk is, you should check him out. Noted. You can 
be a, I'm not saying you should do this. <laughs> you could be a pothead and do nothing and play video games till you're 30 and still be super young and kill it in life. So like, yeah. I would encourage people to try as much shit as possible and figure what you like. And when you find something that you love, I think that's where you have the opportunity to start a successful business because you need to love everything about it. Because when you have your lows, you still got to love it enough that the lows are still kind of cool because it takes a lot of dedication um, and hard work. So, I mean, not everyone's meant to do it, though. And I think that's it comes to, again, self-awareness. You got to understand, like, am I that person that can start a business or am I the person that's going to be like the 10th person in and help build it because that's what I'm good at? Or am I just meant to just... I'm okay just crunching numbers and doing basic stuff. Like it, it's all about knowing what you are capable of doing and knowing yourself and what's best for yourself. I think that's, that's, I guess that's like what I would say advice for people trying to. Yeah, that's huge. Quick question too. How much, I mean, contingency fails are, or contingency plans are supposed to be built into almost anything that we do. That's even our rec background that we've been ingrained in to learn. <clears throat> How much acceptance or even just coming to terms with like, yeah, we could fail. Like this is a real opportunity that in two years or even a year or six months from now, we could be sitting around this table being like, we have no money. This isn't going. People are buying our stuff and, you know, we got to call it quits. And I hope that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But is has that been a conversation that you've had, especially as an entrepreneur with starting new, a new business? And how much has that kind of factored into your decisions? So, and this is my belief. It could be, it could be something else. But one of my, my one of my favorite quotes. I don't know who said this because it was just like one of those like motivation tracks that I listen to when I go to the gym. But yeah. it was master the art of blindness. And not to say that like you just go blindly doing whatever you want, but like if you're trying to be an entrepreneur and start a business, there'll be a lot of shit thrown your way in terms of mm-hmm. like you can't do this. Why are you doing this? You know, isn't it just easy to get a job? So there's a lot of stuff that's going to distract you. So when I say master of blindness, you got to have like laser focus. Yep. Have you guys had a conversation at all of like, you know, are we prepared to fail? Or have you just been like the only option is to be successful and let's just keep working hard and with the laser focus to Yeah. I think it, it should done. be opposite. You should expect to fail and then overcome it because you're going okay. to. And is that kind of the approach that you guys have implemented? Like, for example, like for this photo shoot we just had, there was like a million things that went wrong. We could have just given up and not done the photo shoot or we just overcome the problem. Right. So, I mean, because I think if you, because yeah, of course you're right. Like I could be wasting my time completely, but if you dwell on that, then it's, it's, it'll take up. It's like not worth putting in your mind because then you can't focus on building it. Mm-hmm. But again, as well, right? If it does come five years down the road and like, hey, we haven't made like a single dime, then it's like, okay, maybe I suck at this and should do something else. That's where the self awareness comes in. You have to know like what it's. <laughs> that's you have to know like what you're good at and like, right? So, yeah. Does that answer your question? I love that perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That that's good. Um, yeah, I guess we're about ready to wrap up. Graham, did you have anything 
No, I, I, I think everything's been fantastic so far, and I've just been, I've caught myself a couple times just enjoying listening as a spectator already. We haven't even edited and shipped this thing. Yeah, I feel like I'm like there's a sort of like sense of pride that I have for you, Adam. <laughs> like, just proud of, of what Thanks, you're man. doing and like it. where you've. Yeah, definitely. Where you've gone and, and what you've become. Like. Yeah, like it's a lot of a lot of personal growth. A lot of personal growth. But like, <laughs> I mean, that's just like it's determination. Yeah. So like, I mean, yeah, yeah that exactly. just takes time, right? Like that just takes you experiencing new things and, and taking time. That's awesome. Quick plug for you in the business. Where can people reach out to you? You have a website. You get social. I know you got Instagram. You got a website. So yeah, we got a website. It's www.obviously.flamingoapparel.com. That's our e-commerce store. That's where you can get all the product. And then all our social media is like at Flamingo Apparel. We're only really active on Instagram right now, but YouTube to follow. And then we got our first limited edition collection drop, hopefully coming in uh, November too. So look out for that. Yeah, we'll definitely be on the lookout for that. That's awesome. Um, Wanted to thank you again for taking, well, we've been recording for an hour, but we've been on the call for probably two (laughs) hours almost. Um, for taking two hours out of your Sunday to come and join us and, and share a little bit about your life. Oh man, honestly, thank you for having me, guys. Uh, like, I didn't even know you are doing this. I'm just happy to be a part of it. And it was a good discussion. Good yeah. for us to kind of catch up a little. So, I mean, it was good. It was fun. Definitely. Yeah, it was great to see four rec grads. <laughs> four rec sport business grads. That's what you should call together. the episode. Four rec business grads. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Three fire guys. <laughs> Three fire guys. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, we just want to say thanks, and um, who knows, maybe uh, maybe a year from now we'll check in and see where we're both yeah, at. Yeah, that'd be cool. That's what love the podcast to do, and you, uh, you guys just let me go. Yeah. 100%. Will do. Um, as always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, if you want to ask a question to Adam, you can always either ask him through his Instagram, or you can get us at that's so interesting pod at gmail.com, and then we've got Instagram and Facebook at TSI Podcast.